0: Reflect on that passage from the psalmist, I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord uh, to worship. And so it is good to be here. And again, uh, just to reflect uh, what Don said, it is Memorial Day weekend, and I'm always reminded that we have a great deal to be thankful for. And I believe especially in this country, I do. I I believe that uh, if we're aware of our history, that the only conclusion could be is that we have been a God-blessed country and many men and women have, what's the saying? Some gave, but some gave all. And many men and women uh, in our storied history have given and paid that price. And, uh, and it does us well to remember the sacrifice of others. So it is a, it's a solemn, but it's also, it's good to be here I do want to mention uh, also, because I know that at least one is here, Jackson Plotz. He, Where's Jackson? Are you back there? And yeah, he's hiding behind the—he graduated this week. We went to Franklin to see Brett Sebastian graduate, and uh, Zach Gant graduated. Uh, Leah Shields was the valedictorian out there in Franklin. And uh, so uh, all of those uh, young people— are associated and have been associated with our congregation. It was difficult to watch. It was a blessing, but it was difficult. Uh, all of the young people made a statement, the salutatory and the valedictory, and the closing remarks about um, 2020 that they had left for spring break. And when they left, uh, they had no idea that that would be their last day of school uh, for this year. And as a senior, that, that's pretty difficult all the spring sports and all the different activities. And, um, and, and so they reflected on that. Our, you know, they were certainly affected by that. But we're very grateful that we have. We're going to celebrate our graduating seniors, and it's a date in, in the future. We haven't set that yet, uh, but we'll keep you informed of that. Also, I want to remind you to continue to keep Danny Aydewine in your prayers. Um, April Smith, her surgery is June 11th, June 11th. Uh, in Houston. Um, she's struggling. She's in, she's suffering um, just because of all the, so many of the treatments, the radiation and the chemo, but she is also hopeful. Uh, obviously keep her, Susie Weatherly, we did, I mentioned uh, keep Susie in her prayers. She lost Buddy and we did the service a couple of weeks ago. And so uh, it's been almost two weeks. So Always many to pray for. It's a traveling weekend, and uh, although we're lighter than usual because of this virus, we also have many on the road. So there's much to be thankful for and much to be in prayer for. Go to the Gospel Gospel of John, Chapter 1. The uh, Gospel of John, Chapter 1. This will be Part 2 of my lesson last week as we preach Jesus. And uh, and last week uh, we introduced this passage about Jesus being light. We made the connection between, uh, in Genesis chapter 1, about in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth, Uh, verse 3 through 5, that first uh, statement about creation was God creating and speaking into, uh, in the creation light. And then we made the connection between Colossians chapter 1, that all things have been created by Christ and through him and for him, that the creation in Christ are are married together. And uh, then this, also this connection of light. We really talk uh, about darkness. If you're going to talk about light, you got to talk about darkness. And uh, scripture very clearly identifies darkness. Darkness is sin. It's the brokenness. It's the, it's the, the rebellion, the revolting, the abandoning of God in the lives of men. It's sin, it's darkness. And uh, I I mentioned, uh, I used as a, uh, an illustration: these the scales of justice, and there's four biblical tenets uh, that the Bible deals with that are in contrast to one another. Light and darkness. You got light. You got darkness. You got uh, you got the earthly, uh, and then you have uh, the spiritual things that are earthly, things that are spiritual. Uh, you have things that are worldly, things that are uh, biblical. So we see these contrasts. Light, darkness, world, biblically, earthly, um, and spiritual, and so I, I want you to reflect on that because the passage that we're going to read here, you see, there's a marriage. When we consider Jesus as light and what that's supposed to mean to us, Scripture uh, harmonizes and merit, Really, marriage is uh, these these uh, these statements. Uh, that we're going to read. So in John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, In the beginning beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Creation, Word, in the beginning. Uh, All things came into being by Him. All things came into being by Him. And apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Scripture very clearly, John very clearly speaking about Christ. The role of Christ through God the creator. Uh, Verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light of men. If you have life, and you're living, and you have light, it is solely and just uh, completely through the will of God through Jesus Christ. In him, in Christ, was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. There came a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came for a witness. I want you to focus on that word this morning. In fact, if if uh, I would just challenge you, if you have your Bibles open, you ought to underline or highlight the word witness. We're going to see this statement, witness, and another statement about belief, our faith. So I challenge you this morning uh, to underline, highlight the, these uh, the statement that scripture makes about witness and belief. Uh, so he came for a witness. This was John, John the Baptist. He came for a witness that he might bear witness of the light that all might believe through him. Witness, light, witness, belief, they're all married. Uh, he was not the light. John the Baptist wasn't the light, but came that he might bear witness of the light. And So John's, John's very existence was to be a witness and to bear witness of the light. There was the true light, verse 9, which coming into the world enlightens every man. The true light which comes into the world, which enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. Hmm. So, in verse 5, it says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Uh, Verse 10, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. So when you're reading this, to get to this point, the statement that's being made is that God spoke a word, that God himself, his son, would be that word. He'd come into the world. He would be light in the world. He would be a light that overcomes darkness. But Darkness couldn't comprehend it. Uh, the world did not know him, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, uh, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. There's that word belief, witness, belief, who are born not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Witness, belief, God's will, the word of God. Verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Glory is the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. You could, there's another, underline this, highlight it. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, this uh, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me has a higher rank than I for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. Now go to chapter 3. One of the most read, maybe one of the most well-known, certainly John 3.16, the verse in there, uh, passages of scripture that's familiar uh, to, uh, to most of humanity. Uh, it's the great story of A Pharisee named Nicodemus, beginning in verse uh, 1 of chapter 3, he came to visit Jesus. And uh, we read in verse 2, this man came to him, came to Jesus by night. He came to him by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you've come from God as a teacher, for no one can uh, do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So a teacher of God's word came to Jesus in the middle of the night. And uh, it says, we know you're of God. And so Jesus answered and said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? And Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. We see back here in chapter 1, it says that we're not born, verse 13, we're not born of blood, we're not born of the will of the flesh or the will of man, but we are born of God. And so he says again, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it's going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? It's pretty confusing to him. He's confused. He's not understanding it. And so Jesus answered, in verse 10, and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel? Are you the teacher of Israel, the people who strive with God and do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak that which, which we know. And here's that word again underline them, highlight them, and bear witness of that which we have seen. And you do not receive our witness. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, there again, belief, witness, belief. How shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Heavenly, earthly, darkness, light. And no one who has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, even the, no one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, even the son of man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even, uh, even so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes there's a word believes may in him have eternal life. And so this famous verse, he's having this conversation with the teacher of Israel who doesn't understand these things. And he says to him, uh, about witness and light and darkness and belief. He said, F- so God, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world. You ought to underline that word, judge. God didn't send the Son into the world to judge the world, uh, but that the world should be saved through him. He who believes, there it is, underline it, in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged. Already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the judgment. This is the judgment that the light is come into the world, is present tense, is come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. If you were alive 2,000 years ago and you were privy to that conversation and you had the same mind that Nicodemus had and, and you could understand what Jesus was saying, he's very easily or specifically or clearly speaking about the condition of humanity, and God's intervention, and man's response and responsibility to that. When you read this, I don't know necessarily where you would set it. Uh, this conversation would have been set, the statements made here were judicial. What do I mean by judicial? They were very court-like. They had to do with uh, a witness, truth, truth. Uh, what someone believes, and judgment. That's really, it's a religious conversation between a teacher of the law, by the way, law, the Jews, law for them was Torah. Torah meant the word of God. And the way they judged themselves judiciously was based upon the ordinances, the statutes, the mandates, the commands of God. You just, throughout scripture, you can't separate that. You just can't. God's word is law. God's word that is law is a series of mandates from God, statutes from God, ordinances from God, commandments, direction. It's just, it's law. And so uh, throughout the entire Bible are the laws of God. And in this conversation, again, very briefly, the teacher of the law comes to Jesus, who is the word of God, and he wants to talk to him. He doesn't know. He says, I think you're a teacher of God. You couldn't do the signs that you do unless God was with him. And uh, Jesus responds to that, well, I don't know who you are. I think you have to be from God. Because anybody that teaches the way you do and does the things you do has to be from God. And and Jesus says, his response to that, unless you're born again, unless one is born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. Now, I don't think that that was the response that uh, Nicodemus was looking for. He just wanted some verification. He's confused. He's seeing and hearing things he's never seen or heard before. He has a, a, more than just a working knowledge of the Old Testament. Nicodemus had more than a working knowledge of the, of the, of the Old Testament. Genesis through Malachi, he had it memorized. He had every, every, it was memorized. So he had more than just a working knowledge of the Old Testament. The law, Torah, the word of God. And he wants, he says, this man, I know he's from God. He couldn't do he couldn't teach the way he teaches. He couldn't do the things he did, and but he still needs. He, I want some more information. <laughs> Tell me who you are, and you can go back to the Gospel of Matthew and uh, you know the apostles. I mean, Jesus would ask them. He said, "Well, who do people say that I am?" And they said, "Well, some say you're Jeremiah, and some say you're, you know, I mean, you're one of the prophets of old. Some say you're Elijah." Some say you're even John the Baptist. I mean, has returned. I mean, there was this, all this confusion about him. There's confusion about John the Baptist as well. But they said, well, who do people say that I am? So, well, some say you're Jeremiah, some say you're Elijah. So, you know, well, who do you say that I am? And so I say, and Peter said, you're the Son of the living God. You're the Son of the living God. And, and if you remember, Jesus responds to that Blessed are you, Simon of Bar Jonah, because flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father. My Father, who is in heaven, revealed it to you. And from now on, you're going to be called Peter. And I'm going to give you, listen, uh, the, you're going to be a rock. You're going to be called Peter. And, and a church is going to be established. There's a church that's going to be established. And the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And so you have this moment in history, Jesus living, The word becoming flesh, light coming into the darkness. And the teacher of God's word doesn't know who he is. And Jesus responds about, unless a person is born again, he can't see. He won't ever be even, he can't even see the kingdom of God. Do you see that word? He can't even see the kingdom of God. He can't see it. And so Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? He can't enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? And Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he can't enter into the kingdom of God. Can't see the kingdom of God unless you're born again unless you're born spiritually, you can't enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is born of this flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it's going. So it is everyone who's born of the spirit. And so there's this great conversation. And then there's this witness, this, there's going to be something witness. Now, what is a witness? In that judicial setting, it's somebody that comes into a court of law, I don't know how many of you have been there. I had to do it recently. I had to go and testify on behalf of someone. And it's very formal. You go into, you go before the judge and they put your hand upon a Bible and they ask you, do you solemnly swear, uh, swear to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth So I help you God? Well, I do. And so at that point you're a witness and you have been called to testify, on what you believe is the truth, and somebody has determined uh, this is probably a good witness. This person is probably a worthy witness. i'm going to call him into the court of law, and i 'm going to ask him to testify and be But i don't know if you've ever been in a court of law where you had to serve as a witness' It's, it's a high responsibility it 's a high responsibility. and so I'm just make that statement moving forward all about this witness and believing, and so Verse ten again. Jesus answered, said to him, "Are you the teacher of the uh, Israel and do not understand these things?" But then you go on down here. It says, "If I told you, verse twelve, earthly things, and you do not believe, how shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things?" I'm going to move down to this statement. This one statement, verse fifteen. We read that whoever believes. He talks about out of their heads. Whoever believes. May in Him or believe, uh, may in Him have eternal life. And here's the verse: For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Reread it again: For God did not send the Son, of the wor- son into the world to judge the world, that the world should but that the world should be saved through Him. He who believes in Him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already. Because you have not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God, and this is the judgment, that and this is the judgment that the light has come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come into the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes. To the light that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. I wanted to read that twice for, to be very specific. I know and believe in my heart that our biggest struggle are the contrast in our life. That we're earthly. We're earthly. I, I thought about you as parents, myself as parents. You know, when we celebrate our kids' birthdays or graduations or any moment in their life, what do we do? We love them, don't we? And we want to give them good gifts, don't we? Jesus even makes a comment about that in the Sermon on the Mount. You being uh, earthly fathers, you, you wouldn't give wicked gifts to your children. How much more the Father? He, he loves us even more. But what do we do? We give our kids Things that we just think they're going to give them joy. And they're earthly things. Mostly they're earthly things, aren't they? They're things that we've been taught to enjoy. They're earthly things. They have value here on earth. Because we know that's going to give them joy. Things that have, we've been taught from a very young age. We just give them toys. We give them lots of toys. And, and then we give them, they get a little older. We give them different kinds of toys. And then then we get, even as grown men, we we get different kinds of toys, don't we? But they're earthly things. They're earthly things. They're earthly gifts. But that's the way we are. And so we struggle. We're teaching our children from a very young age to love the things that are earthly, because that's what we know. We just know that. But then there's a spiritual side to us. If you've been born again, you've been born of the Spirit. And that's not of your will, it's the will of God. And God has given you the Spirit. His Spirit, it dwells within us. So there's a spiritual and the earthly. And as long as we're alive, they're at war with one another. They just are. They just are. You can see it in everything. You can just see it. How about the Christian man and woman? You know, you can see it in our language. He comes to work and... Or he comes to church and he's, boy, we take the Lord's Supper and we sing these great hymns and and we're enjoying God's word and we have fellowship with one another and we're praying. Then we go to work. We get back out there in the world and maybe you work in the construction industry or the farming and ranching industry or just any kind of secular world. It doesn't have to be. It could just be secular. And all of a sudden, you're using language that you wouldn't use in the presence of God. We don't really even think a whole lot about profanity, do we? Not really. It's become pretty mainstream in our culture. Boy, you ought to read what the Word of God says about profanity. It'd probably shock you. Just go to Leviticus and see what the Bible says about profanity. But we struggle, don't we? We struggle with the earthly. We struggle with the heavenly. We struggle with the spiritual. We struggle with the worldly versus the biblical. We struggle with light and darkness. That's our, our struggle, isn't it? And we just do. And it, and it says that Jesus came into the world to be a light. Now, here's that judicial thing. So you and I then, Matthew chapter 5, we're, supposed, we're then supposed to be the light. He says to the church that he established that you and I are light. We're the light. So our, have we, you and I have a witness. We, you and I are supposed to be truthful witnesses that goes into the world and is the light of all humanity. That's who we're supposed to be. And and the way we do that is through a witness, what we witness, what we testify to. You know, and then it's married to the word belief. I have to tell you what I think is wrong with the church more than anything today. Our witness is weak. Our testimony to what we believe is weak. And it's weak for a number of reasons. There is the now. I just explained the struggle that we're all involved in, but our witness and our testimony is weak. Uh, you know, I mentioned last week, the scripture says my people perish for a lack of knowledge. Mostly it's weak because I think we're not committed to his word at a level that we should be. I think that's one reason. The other thing then The more committed to his word, something happens, should happen. Your prayer life ought to increase. But more than anything, what you believe should become stronger. This word was given to us for a number of reasons. But one of the reasons that it was given to us was to establish what we believe. So if I were to ask you, what do you really believe? Because the two are tied together. Witness and belief are tied together. Let me just make it personal. Your children know what you believe. The people that work with you know what you believe. Your husband knows what you believe. Your wife knows what you believe. And you know what? And on the basis of one thing, what they have witnessed, what they've heard. They're, it's married. It's tied together. So I'm going to challenge you. So your children and the people you work with and your family and your friends will know how important they will know how important the Word of God is to you. How important your relationship with God is to you. They'll know. They'll know. And they'll also... Uh, conversely, they'll also know, let's just take the word of God out of that. They'll know what is important to you, separate and apart from the word of God. They will. They'll know how important your work is to you. They'll know how important uh, earthly things are to you. They'll know uh, how important worldly things are to you. They'll know, they may not be able to speak it, but they'll know how important darkness is to you. They will. We're all being seen. Something is being witnessed about us. And then it's always tied to what we believe. You cannot separate the two. We witness and we become witnesses of what we believe and how much we believe of it. I don't think I've done a good job of communicating this morning the struggle because the struggle is then. Because how much of a Christian am I How spiritual am I? How much light is there in me? How much of of who I am is based upon the biblical truths of scripture versus how much darkness is in me and earthly and worldly and the flesh. So there it is. It's Romans 7. I'm not going to quote it this morning, but it's Romans 7, that struggle between the spirit and the flesh. Paul's saying, I'm not going to quote that, but why do I do the very thing that I do? Paul would say about himself, he would say, I am the chief of all sinners. That's what he would say about himself. He would say, I have to die to sin daily. But so here's the challenge for you and I. Here's the challenge. Because I think that if you, if you ask most Christians, I think we would all say this. I, would, I think we say, you know, I need to pray more. I need to be in God's word more. I need to be at church. I need to be worshiping God. I need to become a child. I need to, my light needs to be shider. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. My light needs to be brighter. My spiritual life needs to grow. I, I do understand the scripture says, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world, but I don't always feel that way. I feel like a wretched man. I feel like the chief of all sinners. And I'm supposed to be a Christian. And I say things that I, man, I wish I, I hope. Now, here's what I do hope. You say, I say things I wish I hadn't said. I hope that's true. I hope, I hope we're not so numb or hard-hearted or, or, or so much darkness and, and earth and world and fleshly stuff is that, that, we, that we, we become numb to that. That we don't even care about the things that we say. I, I, I would hope that we, we would know when we would grieve the Holy Spirit. I hope that there would be so much light in us and so much spirituality and so much of God's worth and so much of the upward heavenly call, the call of heaven, that we just as we say, oh, I shouldn't have said that. But there's that struggle. And so here we are. We're living in the world. We're witnessing. Things are being witnessed, and it all is tied to what we believe. And I mentioned about casual Christianity. And my greatest fear is I read passages like this and I look at my internal struggle and the struggle of the body of Christ is that we are living somewhere in this wishy washy struggle between light and darkness. And we know that what he says about the darkness in the world is that the darkness can't comprehend light, the world doesn't even receive him. God's own people. You know, you can read in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 7, he said, there's going to be a time people say, Lord, Lord, and it's say, I depart from me. I don't know you. I don't know you. Just as much as our witness and what we believe is married, I tell you what cannot be married. Darkness and light cannot be married. The worldly and the earthly can't be married to the spiritual. In the heavenly, it cannot be. We're engaged in the struggle, and there's this ongoing thing. And Paul writes to Philippians about his persevering. I'm persevering. Not, I'm striving. It's 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 a growing. The Bible in First John. First John writes that it's like a building. Your life and my life is like a building. But here's my here's what I really want to say to you this morning about our witness and our testimony and what we believe, and and overcoming the, the light that overcomes the darkness and then where we need to start where we need to start there has to be if you're engaged in the struggle and I believe you are then and if you were to say you know what Arby, I just want light I don't want to have to struggle with the things I don't want to have to struggle with the things of the world and the earthly I don't want to have to struggle that you know God has called me you know what God has called you in light and spirituality Biblically. You know what he's called? He's very just very little. You know what are the things, and and I do, and I'm just going to say it. God has called you and I to worship him. One of his very in the first commandments, God has called you to worship. Let's just start there. God has called you and I to worship. And when I look at our culture today. And the struggle that we're engaged in as a culture is the competition. All the things that are competing in our lives, that the competition in our life. And I see it affect the church in ways that I've never seen it. It's an ongoing, increasing competition. And I'm not, listen, I'm not scalding anyone. I'm not uh, pointing a finger at anyone this is the measure that comes out of Scripture from what God calls and what God expects and God desires for you and I so that you and I can be blessed. And it starts with worship. And now look at that again, that competition, light, darkness, spiritual, flesh, earthly, heavenly, Worldly, biblical. Just look. Now, let's start with worship. How much of your life and what's going on in your life is a competition to keep you from worshiping God? Just think about that. I I want you to think about that. Because Darkness can't comprehend light. The world won't receive him. In fact, the world doesn't know him. You, you could even be, uh, you could consider yourself one of his own, but you don't receive him. And it's simply based upon those statements is all the things that are competing in our lives. with the light, with the biblical, with the spiritual. And if I've seen anything in the last 20 years as as a preacher in this God-blessed country, is that the struggle parents are having, Christian parents, in the competition of worship God on Sunday or do something else. if I'm going to talk about light and darkness and where all this starts, I'm just going to say it. And your parent, your, whatever decision that you're making as a parent, your kids are witnessing it. And then as they witness it, they're believing something. Number one, they know what you believe, and then they're going to believe it. As much as it pains me to say that, If I'm wrong, please tell me. And I mean that from my heart. One of the most, and it may, it's not, yeah, it may be the statement that I hate to hear. I hate it. I hate it. Because I don't believe a person could in good conscience say this before God. I don't, I know that they wouldn't. I know, as Paul said, there's going to be a day and the trumpet's going to sound and the heavens are going to open and he is going to reappear reappear in all of his glory. I don't think this could ever be a part of your conversation to God. You know, God, I, don't, I, I, I didn't have to go to church to worship you. Wow. The church that he established, that he's called to worship him corporately, and it is corporately, and it is on the first day of the week. And you don't have to be a Bible scholar to know that. And he did it, and he doesn't, you know what he wants you to do? He wants you to pray. He wants you to look out at the world and say, you know what, there's somebody that's hungry, Matthew. I need to feed that person. There's somebody that's cold. I need to clothe that person. There's somebody thirsty. There's somebody sick. I need to go visit that. There's somebody in prison. By the way, he says in Matthew 25, he said, you would do this under the least of one of mine you've done unto me. His very first command, worship and worship corporately. You cannot make an argument. You cannot make a a defense in scripture that says, I don't have to go to church to uh, be saved or worshiper. It's not biblical. It's not true. It's darkness. It's, It's not true. And it's so very little. It's just very little. Pray, serve him, do the best you can. Worship him. That's pretty much it. Forgive people. And by the way, the more you're coming to church and in his word and praying and having fellowship with other Christians, the more forgiveness that forgiveness will grow in you. Be merciful. Be merciful. So I, as we talk about the light that overcomes the darkness and the light that enlightens every man. And to not look at that personally and then challenge myself in my own personal struggle, it has to be said. I'm going to finish with these passages of verses because I think that in them we find this is. So if I said to you, what what would you how would you phrase your witness? How would you testify in a judicial court of law to what you believe is the truth? About you and God and you, you and God and you, because this three so you and God, God and you, what do you base that upon? you know we see we do we sing those songs, um, you know, oh, how I love jesus there 's power in the blood, amazing grace, how great thou art, wonderful old oh, great hymns, the hymns the praise songs we said this morning outstanding so i 'm just going to Go to Romans chapter 5, and I'm not going to preach a sermon on any of these verses, but this is the testimony. This should be our witness. This should be the witness. So if you were in a court of law, and you were, and, and Jesus was sitting on the bench, and uh, the Holy Spirit called you to testify, witness to what you believe is the truth about you and God and God and you, well, what would you say? Okay. Where should you start, okay? I mean, the scripture says we love him because he first loved us. So we didn't even love him without him first loving us. We know that he loves us because of his sacrifice, right? So Romans 5. So I'm going to use the term justified. Court of law. Judicial. Justified. Because if I'm going to be a witness in a court of law, if I'm going to be a witness And I'm going to testify to what's true, and maybe I'm on trial, I'd want to be justified. If you've ever been to court and somebody's accused you of something and you had to bring forth witnesses, and you'd want to be justified, you certainly wouldn't want to be condemned, would you? So, Romans chapter 5. Therefore, having, and the first four chapters of Romans, by the way, uh, the testimony is that everybody's guilty, nobody's justified. That nobody's justified. That you and I couldn't justify ourselves. The Jews couldn't justify themselves. The, 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 the Gentiles couldn't justify themselves. Everybody's guilty. All men have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I, in fact, I was preaching a sermon, or teaching a series of classes, and I was in the third chapter on Romans, and that great passage in Romans, and it quotes out of all these passages out of the Psalms and, and the Old Testament. Uh, you know, Paul's quoting. He says, uh, hmm... Verse 10 of Romans 3, he said, there's none righteous, not even one. There's none who understands. There's none who seeks for God. All have turned aside together. They have become useless. There's none who does good. There's not even one. Now, you can just keep reading. I had an elder at that church come to me, and literally he pulled me aside, and he said, preacher, I don't, would you stop teaching this class? It never happened to me before. I said, what? What are you talking about? He said, well, I, I don't want we don't, I to. Don't, I, well, he said, he, that was not the consensus of the elders, but he said, at his point, he said, I, he said I, it's making a lot of people uncomfortable. I said, what? Well, this passage here, when we were in the thesis, it's just making a lot of people uncomfortable. Their mouth is full of cursing bitterness, their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their paths, and the path of peace have they not known? There's no fear of God before their eyes. But he's saying it not He says there's none, not one. This is the testimony. This is what the law convicts you and I of. There's none who understand. There's none who's in righteous. I mean, Paul writes the Corinthians in chapter one. He said the message of the cross is foolishness to the righteous to the Gentiles those that weren't Jews, and it was a scandal to the Jews. You know why it was a scandal to the Jews? Because the word of God, the testimony and the witness of the word of God between you and I is that we're not good. We're not good. So I need to be justified. I need a witness and a testimony, something that I believe, that all those people that are covered in darkness and, 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 and everything that's broken and lost, that they could believe. So that they could be justified, just like me. And here it is in chapter 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. When you're justified... By faith, by what you believe, you have peace with God. I'm going to ask you something, is there peace, is there an area of conflict in here? Are there several areas of conflict? Here's a truth. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace, Isaiah 9. He says that I'm going to give you a peace that surpasses understanding. The first thing that he said when he reappeared to his apostles in that room after the crucifixion was peace be with you. Now here I'm going to challenge you to think about something. This is a very personal challenge that has to do with light and darkness and our justification through faith what we believe. Here's where are the areas in your life? You ought to go home today and you ought to chart them. And you say, I don't have any peace here. There's no peace here. I don't have peace in my relationship. I don't have peace at work. I don't have peace in whatever that is. I don't have peace in my financial life. I don't have peace in whatever it is. You ought to go home and write that down. And here's how why you don't have peace. Here's why. Here's here's the reason for every discord and lack of peace in your life. That area is without Jesus. It is. Are you easily offended? You don't have peace with other people? It's because you're not living according to the testimony of Christ. You're living according to something else that's dark and earthly and worldly. Same's true of me. So you can only be justified when you have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith. There's that word, believe faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exalt in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exalt, you can find joy in your tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance proven character, and proven character hope, and hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who was given to us. All these things are on the tenant ledger side of light, biblical, heavenly, spiritual, Okay, everything. And so for now here it is, here's our testimony. Do you believe this, church? Do you believe this? This will be the only testimony that'll secure, this will be the only truth that you must believe in that God secures our justification and our salvation. Here it is. This is our testimony. This is our witness. Do your kids believe this, by the way, what I'm about to read? Do your kids believe this? Have you taught them this? Do the people you work with believe this? Do they witness this in you? Do your fellow Christians believe this, what I'm about to read to you? One of the great professors that I had preparing us for ministry, he said, preacher, I'm going to tell you something. You're gonna. Who, I'm gonna tell you who you're gonna battle with in your church. You've been a preacher 37 years at the time. I'm gonna tell you people that where well, you're gonna battle in your church. There're gonna be people that that gossip. They divide. There's dissension. They're never happy. They're backbiting. But they're in the church. They might be in a choir. They may be here every Sunday. And it's, it's because they don't know what their belief. It, not really. They have a passion for God, Romans 10 and 1. But not in accordance with righteousness because they're trying to establish their own. He said all of your discord and dissension that is the result of spiritual warfare and gossip and division and backbiting is going to be from people within the church. that there's no light in them, very little light. Mostly flesh, not very spiritual, very earthly. They're the ones that most of the time are going to be worried about uh, their own feelings, not getting their way, needing to be seen and heard. This is a very real struggle within the church. But it could be in your marriage. It could be in your family. Because the testimony isn't right. And here is the testimony. Hmm, This is it. Here's what people should witness in you and I. This is what we should believe. And if we believe it, people will witness the fruits of this, the evidence of this. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. If you believe that, it'll be your witness. People will see it. They'll know it to be true. They'll know you believe it. But they'll know something else, too. Let that marinate in you. We've got a whole world of churches that are full of people that don't really understand that they were helpless. Now, really, let that in. I mean, to be helpless. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. We've got a whole world of people in churches that are full today. That people, their witness and their testimony, what they believe is not, they don't really believe they were helpless. And they don't really believe they're ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man some would dare even to die. Maybe. But God demonstrates His own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You should be able to witness that in me. I should be able to witness that in you. I should be able to witness and know that to be true. I should be able to see that. You should be that I that I live like a human being that says, "Oh my." I was helpless. I was ungodly. I was a sinner. And I'm still helpless in my flesh. I'm still ungodly in my worldliness and my earthliness. I'm like Paul, I have to die to sin every day. I'm still a sinner. I'm still a sinner. Let me ask you something. If, if, if that was what your testimony was, what kind of person would you be? What kind of person would you be if, if your witness to the lost, dark, broken world was it, it manifested itself? Oh man, I've spent so much of my life helpless and I'm still very helpless in so many ways. I'm, I'm ungodly. I don't want to be ungodly, but I'm ungodly. I'm a sinner. I've said this so many times, but you go to Luke 18 and the Pharisee, he says, this is what the church is full of. They look out there and they say, oh God, thank you for not making me like a sinner over there, I I I'm a good person. I tithe everything, everything, I everything. And the word that Jesus uses, that's a judicial. So the sinner says, "Dear Lord, he can't even look." Dear Lord, God Almighty, have mercy on me, a sinner. And the word that Jesus used was who? Which one went away justified? The sinner went away justified. Your children know if that's what you believe about God. Your friends know, your husband knows, your wife knows, your family knows. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us, and that while we we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, that means you're innocent in the court of law before God. Somebody's testifying for you. Somebody's being a witness for you. And by the way, it's his blood. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we will be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, there's a helpless, ungodly sinner, enemy. We were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved By his life. You know what I dream of and desire in my own heart, beginning with me? I desire that my witness and what people witness from me and what I believe and what people could, and I know it's true, is this. Uh, this is what I believe, and I, I, my, I dream about this and desire this for, for the body of Christ throughout the world, starting right here in Curtin. Is that each and every one of us that comes to take the Lord's Supper, a memorial supper. We're so certain of th- this truth. That I was helpless. I was ungodly. I was separate from God. I was an enemy of his. But, but by his blood, he, I've been saved and forgiven and justified. Not only that, justified. Let me ask him, if, if we did that, if, if starting with the preacher, and then the elders, and Christian husbands, and then Christian wives. And then, Christian mothers and fathers, would it be a competition to worship on Sunday? Could you gossip easily about somebody? Could you have an ill feeling? Easy? Could you feel ill about somebody in the church? Could you badmouth somebody in the church? I mean, really, could you? Because every time we do all of that, it's a testimony to what we believe, it's a witness to what we believe, good or bad. I want to challenge you this morning to think um, really what it means when when John writes about the light coming into the world and it overcome the darkness and the world didn't know it and his own didn't receive him. and, And the darkness couldn't comprehend the light, but that you and I, you and I have become children of God. We've been born by the water as a natural, and we've been born spiritually. And not by the will of the flesh or the will of men, but by the will of God. If you're a Christian, you have been born by the will of God. And you and I have been called to be light. There's a lot to think about here. And we're going to just continue on this over the next few weeks and talking about light and darkness and who God has called us to be. I hope you're challenged because as Paul said Paul Jenkins, one of our elders. We live in dark times. Churches are half full. People are living in fear. So I hope I hope these uh, these words and these thoughts challenge you this morning. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for loving us and thank you for being the light that comes into the world and. Father, I pray that as we live according to you and your will, that you just increase in us. You you just help us in our brokenness and our darkness and our unspiritualness and our desires for the earthly things in the flesh. Father, I know that our life is so short here. It's so short And I would pray that we would all just desire to to live it in light. To live it spiritually and to live it just according to your word. Help us to become children of light. As you have made us your children, help us then to become children of light. And it's in the name of your son, in the name of light, in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.